this morning, we have a very special speaker with us, uh, Bob Petty, who's our district superintendent of the Midwest District. Uh, we, as Eagle Church, are part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and our church falls within the Illinois-Indiana District, and Bob is the one who is over this entire area, and he and his wife, Mary Kay, are with us today. And um, it's really a large responsibility, and Eric asked him to fill in this morning. Eric and his family are in Iowa for a special family gathering, and it's really a privilege to have Bob with us. Uh, he oversees 71 Alliance churches, which is a lot of responsibility. Um, he has been a pastor himself. He and Mary Kay, for five years, um, went back and forth to the nation of India planting churches in India, which is really a closed church to uh, evangelical groups. And then he became an administrator in our district uh, in church planting. And recently, in this last, I guess it's the last year or so, he was elected district superintendent. And it was done by the internet, uh, which was really interesting to vote over the internet to have our DS. Then he was responsible for moving our district headquarters from the Chicago area to Avon, Indiana, uh, where we used to have the Alliance Church there. There's a, still a church there uh, right now, but our district offices are now located here in the Indianapolis area. Um, Bob and Mary Kay have been married 37 years and have three children. Do we have a picture of Bob and his family? Oh, there they are. Oops. There, <laughs> there's Bob with their nine grandchildren. Bob, you've beat us by one. We only have eight. Uh, but it is good to have you uh, here today with us. So, Bob, I'm going to ask you to come up. And let's just give him a warm welcome to the Eagle Church. Well, good morning, Eagle Church. It's a delight to be here, from what I can see of you. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Kenzie and Silas. Uh, they are not on the screen, so if you were counting, you only counted seven. And uh, so we've added a couple more to the mix. Grateful that uh, Pastor Eric uh, invited me to have this time with us this morning. Uh, I've had an opportunity as I've stepped into this role to spend a bit more time with him, uh, to spend time uh, with your leadership, more specifically your elder team, uh, which has uh, been a great delight to me. Uh, the more time that I spend with your leaders, uh, the more affection that I have for you. And there is a bit of fatherliness that uh, comes with this particular role. And as uh, I walked into this room this morning, I felt uh, the Father's affection and in turn my own heart uh, awakened to a, a love and a fidelity to you and a great uh, privilege to be able to be with you. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. In this uh, season, as... Uh, as you might imagine, 71 churches and trying to find connect point with them. Mary Kay and I find ourselves in uh, spaces like this on Sunday morning and an invitation to be able to speak. And in this season, uh, God's given me a, a broader theme of introduction that I've been using. 
And uh, while I think that certainly uh, would be even appropriate for us this morning, uh, as I was preparing for um, this encounter, sensed him, uh, the Father, redirecting me. And uh, that can be exhilarating and scary all at the same moment when you have a bit of path that you're walking. Uh, you already have a message that's prepared, and then God says, nope, wait, I've got something else. And so I want to be obedient to Him this morning. I trust that uh, this particular piece of Scripture will be meaningful to you as well. And so I want to spend uh, the moments that I have with us looking at four words. Um, now, don't get excited. I can do a tremendous amount with four words, uh, and I can keep you here for a long, long time. But because I love Eric, and he gave me clear instruction, and Ian reinforced that instruction about how much time I have, I have uh, been self-controlled, I've even uh, tethered myself to a handful of notes uh, that hopefully will uh, cooperate deeply with uh, what is the expectation around time. But I want to look at these four words, and uh, out of those, bridge a bit of, I hope, context for us here at Eagle right here and now. First uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, this is out of the New American Standard Bible, says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Why don't you just pray with me for a moment? Father, we do not take lightly the opportunity to open up Scripture together this morning. And I would ask that by Your Spirit, You would fall afresh upon each of us and open our hearts and minds to what You want us to know, what You would have us to experience, and how might we stay in step with Your heart for us. Would you breathe your breath of life by your Spirit through your living Word that it would penetrate deeply our hearts and that we would be transformed as we encounter your Word this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me set a bit of context since we're only going to look at this very brief introduction and more specifically just a couple of words. Peter is writing from the city of Rome. Uh, historians would describe that this is just a couple of years before his own martyrdom. He is uh, writing specifically to five house church, church networks that are spilled all over what is now modern-day Turkey. So there were no buildings, there were no professional pastors, they weren't organized the way that we are here in the West, far more organic, far more house in their model, uh, and yet uh, they are vibrant and growing, and they find themselves experiencing some significant persecution. 
Uh, the Roman government has rised up against them. Uh, there are martyrs that are uh, a martyrdom that is happening with some frequency, and the church is underneath a significant amount of pressure. And so, uh, like Paul's letters, uh, this letter from Peter is a circular letter. It would have been written, and then a messenger would have gone from place to place to place reading that. Many of those in that body would have been faithful to write those words down, but the letter had movement. There was feet to it. It would move again from space to space, and that way Peter could cover a large amount of the church landscape as he sought so deeply to not only comfort and encourage them, but also to spur them on. I love it that Peter describes the believers, those readers, if you will, of those house church networks that he had certainly helped to father and was continuing to father, that he uses four words to describe them. The first one is residents. The second is aliens. They were called chosen and yet scattered. And I think Peter's word choice is not by accident, and the coupling of what appears to be opposites is not only worthy of our attention, but also a deeper look. So give me a moment or so to set a bit of definition over those terms. The word resident means one who lives in a place for an extended period of time. A resident is not a visitor, it's not a transient, it's someone who has set a bit of root in a place. An alien, however, is a foreigner, one who is from another place. And so, as Paul couples those words together, resident, alien, it's a person who lives in a place, but is not from or of the place. It's that weird in-between of being there, but not being of there. And many of us can relate to that, those of us who have had travel in our lives or have been transferred from place to place. Mary Kay and I experienced this really acutely in 2001 uh, when we left Chicagoland and moved to the middle of nowhere, Montana. And of course, we all understand Chicago it's a mega city. It's uh, in the top handful of metropolises uh, across the world. But Chinook, Montana had a population at the time of 1,291 people. And so, just for our own uh, transition to move out of a deep urban space with all of its beauty and complication and move into a, a ranch town uh, was a tremendous challenge. Uh, we were certainly the outsiders, and yet we quickly acclimated. We bought a home. Uh, we were pastoring a church, and so we dug in deeply into the community. I did not have a cowboy hat or cowboy boots. I had not ridden many horses when I was living in Chicago. Uh, you get the picture. Uh, and so we immediately were invited into that very rural, very cowboy culture, and one of the questions that we would ask people as we got to know them, and as we were trying to get to know them, so are you from here? How long have you been here? 
And we were shocked over and over again that there were people who were living in this small community who had been there 40 or 50 years, and they would say, well, we're not really from here. We're from some other place. And uh, we're like, no, no, your, your grandparents were here, and your parents were here, and here you are, and you're probably never leaving, but nope, that's not our place. As if somehow you needed 100 or 200 or perhaps had been pioneering into that space to have the kind of wherewithal to say, I'm, I'm from here. But we were fish out of water in that sense of resident and alien of, yes, we were in their midst and we did our best to ride horses and shoot guns and wrestle cattle and do the branding and all the rest of what would be very normal and expected, they always looked at us a bit sideways. Oh, you're from back east. Because anything east of the Mississippi River is to be looked at with great suspicion. Because Washington, D.C. and all kinds of other awful things happen to be east of the Mississippi River. And so, we had a place, but we were really never home. Peter then says that those believers were chosen. The word really means elected. It's that idea of being chosen and and brought near. Out of the volition, out of the heart of God, He had chosen for Himself them as His people, and and yet they were scattered. To To be chosen and scattered, that idea of someone who is elected or selected, and then they are thrown to the winds. That sense of embrace and yet launch. And so you have these resident aliens chosen, but then intended to be launched like seed out of the hand of the sower. And so resident aliens are a peculiar people. They're the in-betweeners. Paul describes that sense of peculiar with the imagery of fragrance. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says that those of us who are in Christ carry the fragrance of Jesus. And I love that imagery of fragrance. I, I love that whole idea that we are the smell of Jesus through our lips and our lives, and that that fragrance, as we spill out across the the, the landscape of our lives both attracts and it repels. That fragrance can either be something that draws folks to us or pushes folks away. I'm grateful that the response of the world is not our responsibility. We are to continually put on Christ. We are continually to be in His presence. We are allowing His fragrance to so uh, seep into our lives that as we move and be, His fragrance spills out. It's not really about being relevant or fitting in. To be in the world but not of the world is the space the church is called to hold. It's that tension uh, of both and that we are to be about. The danger is we can lose the other thanness 
of our fragrance and begin to smell like the world. In our attempt to fit in, in our pursuit of times of relevance, we can become confusing to the world because the fragrances get mixed up and we begin to smell a bit like the world. We can blend in. The world is incredibly subtle and violent in its ability to squeeze us into its mold. When I finished uh, my studies at um, Moody Bible Institute uh, back in the day when it was an institute, and now I think it's a university or whatever it might be, um, and before I finished some additional schooling, I worked at a fish house. And I remember walking into that fish house, and uh, th this particular fish house was pretty significant. Uh, fresh fish and seafood from all over the world would come into Chicagoland, uh, and in this rather massive warehouse, uh, that product would all get uh, either uh, processed and packaged, and then it would go out by truck all over Chicagoland to all the finest restaurants and retail spaces. And I worked back behind the scenes uh, moving fish around. And so as I entered for the first time into that place uh, to have application and interview, I was slammed with the smell of fish. Um, and I thought, how in the world am I ever going to be able to um, stay in this space because it just stunk of fish and everybody around me smelled like fish. Um, and it sat on you like a cloud. But I uh, needed the money. Mary Kay and I were freshly married, uh, living in the city of Chicago, and so I jumped in, literally into the pile of fish. And uh, what's really beautiful about the human body is that after a bit of time, you become nose blind to the smell. And, uh, and so that allows you to kind of move in the space, but you, you, you're no longer kind of offended by the smell. Unfortunately, for the rest of the population of Chicago, they don't enjoy that nose blind. And so I would take the fragrance of fish with me wherever I went, especially as I traveled from the fish house to our apartment. Um, and at that time, we didn't have a vehicle. Uh, we were too poor to have one. We lived in the city. We used transportation that was available public transportation. And so those hot July days after an 8 to 10 hour shift in the uh, fish house, and there I am standing on the corner with a couple of other guys waiting to get on the Chicago Transit Authority bus, was always an amazing experience. The door would open, the driver uh, would grunt uh, some sort of a greeting, we would show our pass, and then like the Red Sea, a packed full of bus folks, standing, no seating available, would just part and we would gladly walk to the middle and bring our fragrance and the gift of that fragrance to all on the bus, um, which was always met with a great amount of disgust, which after a while became a sick bit of humor to see just the reaction on people's faces as our fragrance permeated the bus. And of course, then that would transfer to uh, a subway train where they're really trapped underground in a capsule with me. 
and all of that fragrance. And of course, at the doorway into our apartment, uh, there would be a basket where I would take off all of my fish things and head straight for shower. But you know, there's something really amazing about the smell of fish. It doesn't just hit your clothes, it actually begins to seep into your body and you become a fish. It's fantastic. And so um, I would try to detox and then engage uh, life with Mary Kay in the apartment before you would start the whole thing over again. The interesting thing, though, was that a few days away from the fish house, the smell would begin to go away. I want to pick up that thought in just a couple of minutes, but the power of fragrance is quite dramatic. And it either invites repulsion or it invites attraction. And as resident aliens, we have a peculiarity and we have a fragrance. And it's not the fragrance of fish, thanks be to God, but it's the fragrance of Jesus. And as resident aliens, we look at this world in a different way. This place is not our home. Our hearts and hopes are set in a different place, a heavenly place, whose ultimate end is our face-to-face with our Creator King. For we weren't made for this place, we were made for Him. And I don't know about you, but as I get older, there is a growing yearning for that new heaven and that new earth. There is a deep yearning to stare into the face of our King and to experience Emmanuel, God with us, without all of the baggage of my brokenness, of my sin, of the temporalness of my body, and of a world that is under sin's curse, and to have that forever cleansed and renewed is a growing longing in my heart, and I would hope in your hearts, for those of us who have been captured by Christ, we have a new residency, a new citizenship that is not bound by this world. And so, As resident aliens, we look at the use of our time very differently than the world. As resident aliens, we look at our vocations very differently than the world does. As resident aliens, we look at our checkbooks and the accumulation of our stuff very differently than the world does. Our possessions, our passions, our desires... We look at the future very differently because all of these are now attached to a heavenly perspective, a heavenly hope, a heavenly reality. So we are the chosen scattered, loved of the Father, reborn by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, and sanctified by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And out of that relationship of being chosen, of being transformed, of being sealed and empowered by the Spirit, we're to be scattered as seed 
spilled out all over the nooks and crannies of this place. Our lives are no longer our own. They belong and become the instrument of the Father's heart. A father and king who desires to reconcile lost people back to himself through his son. Brothers and sisters, the gospel of Jesus does not suffer for a lack of relevance. Let me say that again. The gospel does not suffer from a lack of relevance. Jesus Christ and Him crucified stands on its own. The gospel is more relevant in this coming out of post-COVID reality here in America than at any other time probably in our history. Even if that message through our lives and through our lips is met with rejection. Even if the fragrance of Jesus that is your reality is met with opposition, it does not negate its relevance. As a matter of fact, relevance and rejection can very much go hand in hand, and we must not shrink back or be uh, tempted to think that until we are relevant with our culture, we have no platform or message. We clearly have a message that is relevant to the lostness of America. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is our hope. And allowing that fragrant message from a peculiar people who are in but not of is essential. But what the gospel does suffer is a lack of access. It does not suffer from a lack of relevance. It suffers from a lack of access. That responsibility falls upon the instrumentality of the church. Do you recognize, beloved brothers and sisters, that we hold the heart of the Father for the lostness of this place. As one chosen by God, you are called and I am called to be gospel scatterers across our neighborhoods, our workplaces, where we go to school, where we play, here in Boone County, in Indiana, America. And in some sense, we have a global responsibility for that message. And I certainly affirm you and your ability to have incredible influence, not only across the scope of this county, but even to the nations. But I want to gently but, but firmly remind us that we do not exist for ourselves. Eagle does not exist for a worship gathering. Yes, we enjoy that, and that is part of the rhythm of a life with God, and encouraging one another and lifting up our faces and our voices to our King. But our God is on mission, and He invites us into that mission of reconciliation. And here at Eagle, we have a significant resource in people, in time, 
in money, in influence, that needs to be connected to the fragrance of Jesus and then carried by the wind, if you will, into all of the spaces that your life and mine find ourselves in with an intentionality of carrying that fragrance. Let me give you a couple of thoughts as takeaway this morning. Brothers and sisters, you were made for God. God made each one of you for Himself. Not for what you can do. Not for what you grow up to become. That God loves you for you. And He made you for Himself. I love the imagery of the Genesis story that in the cool of the evening, the Creator would come down and take a walk with Adam and Eve. Do you realize you were made for a walk in the cool of the evening with your Creator? That God made you for Himself and your pursuit of companionship with Him is your first priority. You were made to know Him and to have a heart-to-heart walk with Him day by day. And that frequency and proximity of connection allows His fragrance to spill over and change your fragrance. That His heart becomes your heart. That how He sees the world becomes your own lens of seeing the world. As you spend time with Him, He promises to transform or transfigure us into the very image of Jesus. Into the very fragrance of Jesus. It's about relationship. You and I were made for relationship with God. Not for what we can do for Him, but a life with Him. It all begins and it's all anchored there. Day by day, moment by moment, practicing a presence with He who is always present with you. It will continue to set the compass and north star for our lives. It will continue to allow us to be able to live in that complication of being in the world, but not of the world, to being resident for our lifetime in this place, and yet being alien to the place because this is not our home. That a new heaven and a new earth and a vibrant relationship with our King is our ultimate end. And to practice that presence day by day allows our fragrance to continue to be sweet and refreshing. And for others, a place of opposition and perhaps even rejection. And all the more that our relationship with God sets the, the anchor point for our lives. It's not about pleasing people. It's not about fitting in. And I'm not asking you to be obtuse and annoying. 
But there is a, a balance of a life with God that allows us now to have platform and place in, in a world that is not ours. In a, in a destiny of this earth that is not ours. And that all flows out of this invitation to a life with God. It all flows out of this day-by-day encounter of His Word and His Spirit. Paul says that when we contemplate, and that means to stare at for a long time, the beauty of God, He then transfigures us. He transforms us. And my deep desire as someone who has a measure of responsibility for you and perhaps a bit even over you, I, I strain with you that you might know Christ, that you might experience Him in His fullness, that it wouldn't be a checklist item called devotions, but rather it would be a moment-by-moment walk-in-the-cool-of-the-evening kind of life between you and your King. And that He would transfigure how you view your life. That He would transfigure how you hold on to your possessions. That He would transfigure why you're in the vocation and workspace you're in. Or where you choose to play. Or the neighbors that you happen to live around. That is by God's design. His sovereign election of you. And His directing you into those spaces and places is not casual. It's an invitation to be resident aliens. Chosen and yet scattered. That in turn, we might be the peculiar people and the fragrance of Jesus to those who so desperately need Him. Number two, out of relationship comes representation. You remember the story back in Genesis, God made man for Himself so that He could take a walk with Him and have a heart-to-heart. That you and I weren't made like the giraffe or the wildebeest or the uh, cicada, right? We were made in God's image with personality and will and emotions so that we might engage God on His level. That we might actually be able to commune with Him and have this incredible, complex and and beautiful relationship with Him. And, And then God told Adam, okay, out of this relationship, I want you to steward creation, I want you to represent me in the world. I want you to name and take authority over creation. So God gave man the responsibility to name the animals. And to have dominion, not abusive dominion, but fatherly stewarding dominion, representing the creator in the world. And so out of this beautiful Moment-by-moment relationship with God, Adam was called to represent God in the world. And brothers and sisters, that remains true to today. And yes, stewarding creation remains a piece of that, but we now steward a mission. That God is on mission and we represent the heart and mission of the Father. 
And ultimately, the mission of the Father is to see boys and girls and men and women reconciled into a restored life with God through Jesus. So so hear me, Eagle Church, this morning. Whatever God is going to do in Boone County, whatever God is going to do in your neighborhood or to the nations, He is going to do through all of Jesus' people. God doesn't have a plan B here. He's not going to rend the heavens and sound an angel trumpet to proclaim this message of reconciliation. God is going to call those of us who have been reconciled back into a relationship with Him to now represent Him and the gospel in the world. And so whatever God is going to do in the world, He is going to do through all of Jesus' people. He is going to do it through you, and He is going to do it through me. And when we get our heads and hearts around that missio, it is significant to setting order to all of the rest of our lives. Because we don't exist here for ourselves. We exist for the heart of the Father, and for His mission of reconciliation. Because there's only one agenda that God has, and that is the reclamation and reconciliation of people back to the original intent, that God wants to have a walk in the cool of the evening kind of relationship with every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. God doesn't have multiple missions. He's got one. He's got one message. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And He has one instrument to accomplish that. You and me. So the great power of equal church is not when you gather on Sunday mornings. Though it's beautiful to fill a room and a building and to encounter one another and the sweetness of relationship and fellowship and corporate worship and the opening of Scripture together, those are all beautiful and they're powerful. But they're not it. The great power of Eagle Church is when you get up out of your blue chairs and you walk out of this big white box and you spill into all of the nooks and crannies of this county. The great power of Eagle Church isn't when you gather, it's when you scatter. And you begin to take on God's heart and His eyes for your neighbor and your coworker and the other students in your classroom or the men and women that you recreate with, you have new lens and new focus because it's not just about here and now. You are resident aliens chosen by the Father to be scattered all over the place. And my deep desire for you and for us as a movement of churches across Illinois and Indiana is that we might walk in all that God has designed for us to become in this beautiful relationship with Him 
and that we might be faithful to all that He has called us to do as we represent Him and His mission to neighbors and nations. Why don't you pray with me? Father, I'm humbled uh, to uh, be in the space that you have invited me into to oversee this bit of the expression of Jesus' bride across Indiana and Illinois for our small tribe of churches. And I'm deeply grateful for Eagle Church and for her people, your people. I thank you, God, for the reminder again that this is not our home. We're just passing through. That while we might be resident for a handful of decades, that we are at our core alien because we have been reformed and rebirthed by your Spirit and therefore we have a new home. A home that, oh God, so often we do not yearn or long for. That so often this world becomes satisfactory and it meets us and it consumes us and it squeezes us into its mold. Oh God, I pray that your word would penetrate deeply into our hearts this morning. That we would be reset, our North Star would be reset again. That we are in this place, but we are not of this place. That you've not called us to relevance. You've called us to be gospel carriers. And to meet the needs of access to neighbors and nations. Would you bless Eagle Church? Would you pour out your spirit without measure upon her? Would you awaken her to all that you desire for her to become and to do? May these, your people, O God, hunger for righteousness. I pray, God, that they would not play with dead things. That there would be a clear peculiarity of holiness and other thanness that would hallmark these, your people. And that you would fill us with holy boldness to step across the property line, to step into the cubicle next to us, and to be bold in sharing the fragrance of He who has died and been resurrected from the dead, He who has given us transformed life. That we might even risk reputation to carry the reputation of Christ who was rejected and crucified, and yet is alive forevermore, seated at the right hand of the Father, where He has no equal, no rival. He is King and Lord. Oh God, may we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And may we be awakened to our responsibility to steward Your heart, O God, 
for the lostness of that which is around us. May Eagle Church flourish, not for herself, O God, but for you and for your mission. We pray this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.